Hi, I'm Amelia. And I'm Taylor. And we are two fourth grade teachers looking to create a space for educators to share ideas and build their teacher toolkits. Welcome back. We are in our chapter four in our book study of Bold School. This one is titled uh, Questioning and Socratic Seminar. And it's really all about what questions you're asking in your classroom and how relevant are they and helpful to your students. Yeah, it's definitely a chapter that allows us to stop yes. and reflect mm -hmm. and think about the questions we're asking our students yeah. throughout our lessons. Yeah, totally. And we were saying, Taylor, that it, it, it is a pretty brief and quick and easy chapter yeah, to read. for sure. But it is so powerful. Like, eh, after every paragraph I was thinking, wow, that I can immediately apply to my classroom. So it really does pack a punch. I know, yeah. I love it. So just jumping right in here, yeah, let's go one part that really stood out to me mm. was when Wes said on page 72, if anyone's following along, yeah. that teachers ask between 300 to 400 questions every day. What? I know. <laughs> I had to read that like three yeah. times. I'm like, mm -hmm. whoa. And then he says, and even as many as 120 per hour. No. I want like a script of all the questions I read. I was thinking that day. too. I'm like, I uh, wonder if I kept a little tally yeah. of every time I asked a question. Yeah. How many? I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. But I'm sure it's. Yeah. I'm sure we ask that many questions. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And what Wes does in this chapter is yeah. really has us stop and think about, mm -hmm. you know, okay, are we asking, it's quantity or quality over quantity. Yes. Because we, we, it doesn't matter how many questions we're asking. We could ask a hundred questions, mm -hmm. but what's that, what's the quality of those questions? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like so many times we think teachers, that's all they do. They ask questions, they ask questions, and yeah. then we answer, answer, answer. And we're just all little robots. Right. But when you stop and you pause and you're thinking, okay, does this question even need to be asked? Did we already answer it? Or do the kids even need that information? Right. Right? Or am I asking questions in the same level? <sighs> yes. So one way to fix this, mm -hmm. he suggests, is to have pre-planned questions. Yes, that's instantly providing you with a purpose. You, ha We know that we need to have a goal for the lesson, right? We give an essential question yeah. for lessons. If we have a purpose for why we are doing something, we are going to see if we achieve that goal, get close to that goal, or we haven't mm -hmm. met it yet. Yeah. So I think that's so important, yeah. Absolutely. And he says that. That's one of his takeaways of the chapter. What gets scripted gets asked. Yes. Because you can clearly see it. It's so true because mm -hmm. if you're thinking about those questions, and he mentions this too, mm. it's really hard to think of a very in-depth question that students really have to think about mm -hmm. it if you're just kind of flying by the seat of your pants. Mm -hmm. And teachers, you know, that's, we feel like that's one of our natural talents is to be able to teach, to discuss, to, to hold the conversation with a room full of students and be able to do that on the fly. Like that's awesome that we yeah. have that ability. Absolutely. But instead of just surviving in your classroom and being like, oh yeah, we made through, we made it through. By, by doing this strategy and taking a moment, you're stepping it up. You're already creating a more rigorous classroom by stepping back and saying, okay, I know I could control this classroom, but instead of just controlling it, how could I step back and put the control onto the shoulders of the kids? Oh instead, yeah, you know? absolutely. And then you do have that plan. 
right. then you know, are we, are we meeting that expectation? Right. And he talks about mm-hmm. at the end of the day, what's our goal when we're yes. asking kids questions, it's not mm-hmm. just to have them answer the question or okay. fill time, right? Check. Yeah. We ask the question, let's move on. Right. It's really to get students to think. Mm-hmm. So by negating, by taking away questions that aren't relevant or that we've just answered that we, we can move on. We don't have to stay in this level one of questions or this base level of questions we can move them forward then that's giving them that purpose right right and i feel like a big question that people Mm. might have would be well how do i know Mm. how can i ensure that my question is really encouraging students to think yeah and to do those higher order thinking skills Mm -hmm. so one way he he talks about in the chapter is he reviews with us, and of course, in education, we are all familiar with Bloom's Taxonomy. But really going back to that from with a fresh start, going to Bloom's Taxonomy and seeing the different levels of, the, uh, of our activities. So just as a quick review for Bloom's Taxonomy, right, we always start in that remembering or that recall stage, yeah. right, that level of... And it's important. We can't just skip and go into the into the hardest part. Right? Absolutely not. Yeah. But we're calling or remembering, and then we can get kiddos. Once we're once we're there in that stage, we can move forward and go to the understanding, diving a little deeper. Then how are they going to apply the, this knowledge? How can they analyze? And then how can they evaluate? And finally, how can they create on their own? And I think just moving them away from always just in that recall stage quick recall yeah Mm -hmm. and and again that's coming up with a purpose right having having your goal of okay we're going to start in that recall stage but what is my end goal going to be what's my end goal question and are they able to answer it at the end i think that's really vital i agree this really ties into yeah. What he was saying about the Bloom's taxonomy. Yeah. With what he's oh, saying about the rigor relevance framework. Mm-hmm. And that was mentioned in the introductory chapters. Mm-hmm. So the uh, framework is a quadrant that's then divided into four other quadrants mm-hmm. and they go from A to D. So A is called acquisition, and mm. that's where the teacher is doing the work. So that's more like an introductory lesson. Mm-hmm. And you can see what I love about it is that on the left side of the quadrant is the taxonomy and mm. the different levels. So you can see, okay, I'm asking a re- re- right. question that falls into the remembering or recall category. Mm-hmm. So I'm down at the lower levels where the teacher's right. doing the work or maybe the students do like. It's not a higher level gotcha. type of lesson. Mm-hmm. So after we move from the A quadrant, then it's B, where the student's doing the work. But then when we get up to C, and you'll yeah. see this when students start applying and analyzing, yeah. evaluating and creating, that the student is thinking. Mm-hmm. They're not just working through the problems. They're mm-hmm. thinking in depth about the problems. And then um, there's quad D, where it's called ad- adaptation, where the student's doing the work mm. and thinking Mm. so the teacher is just the facilitator right another thing that he offered that again you can take it one more step up is putting it into technology yeah he gave a lot of different resources he said you could try cahoots poll everywhere socratic socrative socrative yes socrative okay nearpod uh google forms plickers twitter like anything that you feel even if you if you're like oh i'll have to research this or i'll have to learn more about this this option, do it, take the risk and be okay if it fails. If you don't 
if you tried this technology in your classroom and it was a complete utter utter failure oh well you tried it out you know you you played around with it and you took a risk in your classroom by um offering that that technology we were mentioning too that if you if you put it in technology those students and i don't know if you want to talk about this a little bit but like it takes that pressure off of cold calling your students. Yes. Yeah. Cold calling. I love mm, how he said that. Cold yeah. calling your students because we're all guilty of that. I oh know Lord, I, I, do it I am sometimes mm-hmm. um, very guilty of that. It's just kind of you're in the moment and you're trying to make sure mm-hmm. that you're reaching everyone and you're asking the everyone yeah. questions and you're making sure you're checking in with their understanding. Yeah. But he talks about how using these technology. Yeah. Using these tools. Yeah how it can give every student a voice and it it takes that pressure off of them because Mm -hmm. being a student who if you don't want to share you're no longer focused on what you're learning or what the teacher said or what's happening in class because you're so focused on please don't call on me please Please don't don't call call on me yeah yeah right oh he just called on me so he's not going to call on me again yes (laughs) then i'm done learning i'm done listening and that's another thing Mm. that after reading this chapter i was like I need to be more aware of that. Yeah. I need to make sure that I'm not doing that to my students Mm -hmm. because I would never want anyone Mm -hmm. to feel anxious or worried Mm -hmm. or stressed about being called on Mm -hmm. and now they're not learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even it's, it's cool to have technology. Like that's why, I mean, we've in education sometimes as Wes is saying, you know, sometimes we're like, Ooh, it's flashy. It's bright. It's awesome. It's technology. Oh, let's just implement it. Yeah. Quickly. And like this book, I love that he's saying, wait, 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 wait. Right. <laughs> Don't just think technology is going to be your end all be all. But I do, f- there is an element of truth to that technology is just something new and it's something exciting. So even kiddos that might not even need the wait time or might not feel the pressure of a cold call, but it might just be another outward motivation for them. Like, oh yeah, I wasn't gonna pay attention, but wait, we get to play Kahoot? <laughs> like, oh yeah, you know, as like, soon as, I yeah. feel like as soon as you put technology into the yeah. lesson, the kids are like, this is the mm-hmm. best thing ever, this is great. But I think that right. his point of yes. technology oh, being absolutely. the last thing really yes. proves in the chapter when that's yes. the last bullet he touches on, yes. the last point he talks about. Yes, and you've mentioned it before where don't center your your lesson around the technology, but have your lesson and then think, oh, how could we implement this using yes. technology as a tool? But I do think there is a little element of that, of yeah, kids, kids might naturally have more of a, a buy-in when they have that technology component. 100%. You know? Now, one thing that he also talked about in the chapter that we yeah. really didn't touch too much on mm-hmm. is how you can really focus your questions in by using the strategy of Socratic method Yes. Um, and Socratic seminar. And we are lucky enough oh to Lord, have our teammate, Amy mm-hmm. Kemper, to be here. And yes. she's going to talk to us about how Socratic seminar looks in her classroom. Oh, I cannot wait. And how she uses her questions mm-hmm. to enhance her students' thinking. Yes. So stay tuned for that because that's coming up next. Right. All right. So we've got Amy Kemper on the podcast today. Yay! We're so lucky. She is on the fourth grade team. She's been teaching fourth grade for the past six years. She also was my mentor teacher. (laughs) Oh, way back when. Um, She has not only taught fourth grade, but she's also taught third grade and before that, first grade. So she's really just done 
done it all. Yeah. So we're so lucky to have I you. I started teaching when I was 10. Oh, right. Okay. So that's how the math works. Mm, yeah. That makes sense. Mm, got yeah, it. Yeah. Seven, 17 years. So I'm 27. Ooh, whatever you're doing is your working, age. girl. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Um, so we're just going to ask Amy a few questions about the Socratic method. Yeah. So Amy has used the Socratic seminar in her mm-hmm. classroom. And so we just wanted to kind of pick your brain a little bit about what it looks like mm. in your classroom and how you've used it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for uh, having me on. Yeah, um, I'm going to really try not to start giggling and laughing while we're doing this because working with both of you is such an absolute joy that Aww. and you guys make work fun. So I appreciate that. Oh, um, thank you. <laughs> right back at you. Yeah. Um, this is like our seventh take because we yes. laughed through the first six. <laughs> That's right. Um, so I first began using the Socratic method when I did Socratic seminar actually when I taught was teaching third grade. Mm. Um, and at that time when we started, our tier two intervention time and that win time looked a little different. So we had a block of time in the classroom set aside for win, okay. um, which wasn't content area. So I used that 30 minutes for a novel study. Mm. Um, so now I use components of it during guided reading, and I've used it also with my whole class in uh, shared reading and a novel study as well that we've read together as a class. So. Um, when I started using Socratic method uh, and using Socratic circles, uh, the first thing I just wanted to make sure I did was had a really good book that yeah. I liked and that I was invested in and that I could really sell big to my kids. Yeah. Um, and then we would start by, um, I'd introduce vocabulary and begin mm-hmm. in that way. And then we would read the chapter together um, and students, when we were reading the chapter, they always had a hand, a list in hand of questions that we would be discussing at our Socratic circle. So these questions always ranged in that depth of knowledge from understanding mm-hmm. um, and application to analyzing. And I used a lot of the uh, terms I'd say, you know, right there questions, mm-hmm. questions mm-hmm. that are right in the text. Um, and then questions that I would have to apply my own thinking to, and then questions that would change my own thoughts and how I think. Awesome. Yeah, I do love that. Um, So then after we would read the chapter together and I Mm -hmm. introduce the questions, sometimes I'd have the questions or with different books, I'd have them like in a column. Okay. And the students would have to pick two to four questions that interested them. And in doing so, they might have to pick one from this column and another from this column to make sure they were hitting the different depths of knowledge questions. Mm. Gotcha. Um, so we would try to make sure that we were all going that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then after they would have those questions, it was their turn to work independently, and they would go back into the text where they would look for answers to support their thinking, to mm-hmm. find the answers, and they would always put their little sticky notes in it. Perfect. So we'd have kids with, you know, the sticky note fan yeah. all through. Oh, the, I love that. Yeah, I know. Sticky notes are great. Yeah. Um, but then I'd also have students write down their answers and their thoughts ahead of time oh, so good. that they were ready to share out during our seminar. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, when I had them, after we would do our seminar, I'd always have them go back and pick one of their answers that then they go fully answer and hand in that I would use mm. for feedback. So okay, if they cool. answered like three questions and 
one was really focused on during the seminar or that they really just thought filled out, then they would be, you know, turning that into mm. a more full answer to yeah. hand in to me. And I'd look at, you know, spelling and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, cool. Um, so then at the end, there was, we would have our Socratic circle. And we had a lot of modeling going into the whole setup of our Socratic mm-hmm. circle. We would model, uh, I would begin actually just modeling how to have conversation. We yeah. did a lot of preparation on what I called yielding. Mm. Um, so I would have students, you know, I'd say, okay, we're not raising hands, we're gonna be yielding to each other. So if someone starts a comment, how we don't talk over each other. Oh, yeah. I love that. Um, we would do a lot of how you listen and how you can say, well, I hear what you're saying. Yes. That makes me think this, so mm-hmm. I'm saying this. Mm-hmm. Just to kind of get them outside of that even developmental box of oh, yeah. I'm just... I'm waiting right. yeah. to just say what I was going to say anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The world revolves around mm-hmm. my thoughts, which we as mm-hmm. adults do all the yeah. time. It forces so. them to listen and to their, yeah. their classmates, yeah. And to think, yeah. well, I was going to say that similar, or that makes me think this. So, right. Yeah. There was, a, I mean, a lot of preparation sure. um, in yielding and in having conversation, and also, you know, going hand in hand with what we do in the classroom as far as um, how to pull together your ideas, how to mm-hmm. have a cohesive idea that you want to share about, um, because the end of the time together, the week Mm. together, we would have our Socratic seminar. And when we would meet for our seminar, we would all sit in a circle facing each other with our books. It was always a big deal, um, you know, on a Friday or a day six. And they would always be ready and um, be prepared to share. That was how Mm -hmm. we always sold it, you know, be ready to share, Mm -hmm. be prepared to share. Hmm. What are your thoughts, your ideas? So, um, and we always would talk about too how in a Socratic circle, how listening is a really important part and how it's powerful to listen when you let that impact your own thoughts and ideas because I wanted to make sure the students who um, were more quiet had, were, at, were knowing that they had to still actively listen. Um, and I keep thinking back to, I had one set of twin girls who were so quiet Mm. and they would sit in Socratic circle they would have their books maybe they would participate a little in the um, immediate conversation but then when we would go and do our two cents afterwards they I'm not even kidding you I remember they would just blow me away that would be like wow they pulling things together so I love that you prepare them for that too so that they know when they come to the circle they have to be ready to share something and that Mm -hmm. kind of goes along with what we were talking about, Mm. about cold calling, and that prevents you from just calling on kids and them being in complete panic. Right. Like these little girls that wouldn't like a cold call or wouldn't like to be called right away, they have been absorbing it through all of us and then came out with something amazing. And those are the girls that Mm -hmm. even now as high schoolers... Yeah. They will come visit me with their books in hand. Oh. Like, Mrs. Kemper, what are you reading? Yeah. Oh, they, that's, that's so cute. cute. Oh, they really do. Oh, so, that's precious. That's awesome. Yeah. So in that seminar, in that Socratic circle, students really, I really try to let them drive the conversation. Mm. So that has just, as you can imagine, just amazing yeah. conversations can um, spiral out of that. And sometimes, you know, my role as a facilitator, I'm yeah. nudging things along, I'm pushing maybe to go a little deeper if necessary, 
or you know getting the ball rolling yeah. or earlier seminars and earlier parts of the book mm. maybe I'm taking more of a role sure. um, but as things kind of ownership develops and um, it it's great to just really be able to facilitate and hear how they work that out yeah I was gonna say it's probably an amazing thing to watch yeah as it and as it develops it's yeah really fascinating cool. so um at like I said earlier at the end of the seminar um everyone knows that they have they are sharing I don't mm. I didn't even look at it as like you had to share but I always said this is your opportunity yeah. to share mm-hmm. so I never really was like oh you have to speak I'd always say now you know the point of this Mm-hmm. us getting together and discussing this book is to think about how we're thinking to analyze the text how does it affect our lives how does it affect our world so what did you learn afterwards right. mm. so at the end of the seminar everyone would go around and share their own one big idea and mm. put their two cents in and it could be um, you know something that they didn't get a chance to say mm. during the seminar or something that they liked what someone else said mm. they agree with oh, that's so cool. or something that they're like you know, was new to them. Yeah. And they just want to add to the seminar conversation. So um, I've had wonderful opportunities and just great conversations. I've also had sometimes where seminars are like, well, that one, you know, mm-hmm. maybe didn't go as I planned oh, in good ways and in ways that I'm like, well, I could have, we could have mm. maybe done that. But I think that's really better, important so. to say because yeah, for a teacher that better. wants to try this out and maybe it doesn't go the way that they initially thought, to not give up, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think, I think to some of the earlier ones too. For me as a teacher, I really had to learn over and over again on what it means yeah. to facilitate, especially yes. when they're third graders yeah. or oh, fourth word. graders. Yeah, and you're thinking like, you know, it's like that manipulation of I want them to mm-hmm. get to this end goal but I want them to come by organically so they have ownership for it and right. they're using their own thinking. So um, I would, I, I had to learn, and I'm still learning to you know, step back and mm-hmm. to let it go. Um, mm-hmm. So, Well, because it, like, it reminded me, like over the weekend, just looking again at the book, like this whole idea just seems more of what our goal is, is that process is no matter where they go in this journey, it's the process of them going. Yeah. Right? Like, it's almost like, I mean, I I was thinking of it just with my sister and I, we were talking about it, and we were saying, like, it's like how it doesn't really make sense that we get a puzzle out and we play on with a puzzle because the very end thing that you do with a puzzle is you put it right back away. But the thing that's fun is the collaboration, Right. Like puzzle piecing, putting different things that work together and don't work together, and you need other people to look at it too. Yeah. So it's just like that entire process kind of just reminded me of the Socratic method. And we were just like, oh, this is really cool. Like yeah. it's all about that process. Yeah. So I think it's really neat that like you're really stressing the process of it and giving the kids that time to work muddle through it and then them coming up with mm-hmm. being, okay, yeah, I'm the one that's leading this or we're the ones that are leading this. And like, we're showing that and we're sharing that with Mrs. Kemper. Mm-hmm. I think that's so cool. You, you know what, it made me think of, um, I always would say this to my daughter when yeah. she was young about how art is a process, Ooh, not a product, yeah. which yes. isn't that kind of, we're looking Aww. at humanities and literature yeah. and uh, you know, if you wanna yeah. go into mm-hmm. Socrates and the mm-hmm. whole, you know, like yeah. it is an art and yeah. it is a process. Yeah. So yeah. teaching them, I think we had had a conversation about, um, you know, 
what books to use and mm. things like that. But it's really, truly just the book doesn't matter as long as it's yeah. that high interest. Yep. They're bought in, which, mm-hmm. you know, that's my job as a facilitator and in introducing vocabulary mm-hmm. and all that to, like, sell it hard. Mm-hmm. So is that what... Makes- the advice is that the advice that you would give to a teacher who does want to try this out mm. to make sure that you're starting with square one the book and making sure the kids are interested in what they're reading yeah make sure you as you. a teacher are yeah. okay like yeah. something like you like i love historical fiction mm-hmm. i love history i love um like post reconstructive time mm. period um mm-hmm. So books that I picked were ones that would be like I did Bud Not Buddy, Mm. which was about in the Depression era. Um, So I would pick those books because I was invested in them to begin with. And then they can sense that love that you have for Mm -hmm. it. Oh, yeah. So, Mm -hmm. And that's probably one other thing, too, is finding – I was thinking about how – I uh, used City of Ember in mm. fourth grade, which is mm-hmm. a higher book. Right. Yeah. So when you have those kids that that span, and you're you know wanting to differentiate and to work on um, reading, my the method to get to the circle can look mm. different. You know, I we always read it together. Yeah. I'd always read it aloud. Um, but then I would have them go back for a second read, and I'd have them partner yeah. read. I'd have them work together. Yeah. Um, I even thinking now, you know, recording myself reading it, and yeah. they can go back and listen to me read it That's again. So cool. That's five awesome. sections or chapters, um, and then again, those questions, making sure that everyone has ownership somehow, and yeah. that they can find, I can answer this question, but you know, creating that environment mm. in the classroom where they can also challenge themselves to go a little deeper. So, yeah, I wouldn't want. To, to someone to hear it and be disheartened and say, my kids can't do that. Mm. We're not reading at that level. My, I can't do that with my kids. I don't have the classroom management to have mm. that. Yeah. Um, because it is just modeling, a lot of modeling patience, mm-hmm. um, being really explicit with expectations, and again, finding a book that you like and that you can you know, pull apart to meet mm-hmm. the needs. Um, and knowing, you know, knowing your class. Yeah, yeah absolutely. knowing what your kids yeah. are interested in. Cool. Like I think I haven't done it yet right. with Tale of Despero, but that uh, would be a great book yeah. to do Socratic Circle with. It would be. Yeah. yeah there are so many mm-hmm. possibilities. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. So we cannot thank you enough for coming on our podcast yeah. episode Yay, and sharing is- all of your insight about yeah. the Socratic method. This mm-hmm. is so fantastic and I know I speak yeah. for our other teammate who's not here but we'll be on at another episode yes, I'm stay sure. tuned. <laughs> like we are just so excited and proud of you guys for doing oh, this. Way you. to make fourth grade Monroe look really good. Oh, <laughs> well thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for being a part of this. All right, so we're going to do our teacher highlight. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. And here today we have mm-hmm. Harrisburg's Simply <laughs> the Best. That's right. Um, <sighs> one amazing teacher here at Monroe. She is a first grade teacher, and that is mm-hmm. Amy Lafredo. I feel like that's a really yes. big yes. Like, yes. introduction. Oh, big. Simply the <laughs> Best. Woohoo! Um, she is here today to talk to us mm-hmm. about how she has taught her first graders to understand their emotions 
and share how they're feeling in a quick and easy way mm -hmm. during morning meetings. So Amy, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, before I begin, I have to give a shout out um, to Miss Deluzio. She teaches first grade at Middlesex Elementary School um, because she really helped influence this mm -hmm. um, in my room because uh, yeah. she uses it actively in her classroom. So shout awesome. out to her. Yes. Um, but zones of regulation I found to be very beneficial to my students. Um, and zones of regulation means that it's helping students to regulate mm -hmm. their feelings and really to be able to identify how they're feeling and then process it. And so then once they've identified and they're able to process mm -hmm. their feelings, I've been teaching them tools or strategies of how they can handle their emotions mm -hmm. in an expected way. Awesome. Um, and one way that I started um, to do that is during morning meeting. Okay. Um, so Ms. Deluzio and I put together um, slides for morning meeting, mm -hmm. um, and she found it really helpful in her classroom to give visuals, because first graders yeah. absolutely we respond very well to visuals. Yeah. Um, so we did different visuals of kids um, acting different ways and scenarios, mm -hmm. and then we acted out different feelings. Mm. Um, so we did a lot of attaching feelings to visuals and okay. acting things out. Um, but then we, I teach sign language in my classroom cool. um, just for classroom management. Yeah. And so, so I taught them the signs for their different feelings, which I did not know mm -hmm. before. So yeah. now I know. That's awesome. Uh, so in morning meeting, just an example is um, before we start, I'll just ask them, hey guys, how are you feeling today? Um, and they'll show me their sign. Mm -hmm. And then each feeling is in a category, a color category. Mm. Uh, so then we've also attached that feeling with the sign to a color. Okay. Um, and we did different activities and games to help them really to solidify for themselves what mm. color zone that would be in. Okay. Um, so for example, if you're really excited, yeah. we taught the sign for excited, um, you're in the yellow zone. Hmm. But also in the yellow zone can be other feelings like frustrated is also mm -hmm. in the yellow yeah. zone. So just showing them the difference between hmm. what the feelings are in the zones. So hmm. then when a child is having a moment where they're feeling a certain way, um, you know, especially if it's a feeling of frustration or we're angry. Um, I also have take a break spots in the classroom that they can cool. go to. Okay. Um, and in that spot is where the zone poster is. So then when I check in with them, it's like, how are you feeling right now? Mm -hmm. And they show me which zone. Um, and then we're able to like talk through strategies to help them kind of come back to a a happy zone or a calm zone. I love so much that you do this first thing in the morning during yeah. morning meeting because that's a great way for a student who woke up and they're yeah. just having a rough day right. to understand that, work through it, and turn the day around. So mm -hmm. you're not in the afternoon and the student is still really struggling throughout the day. You're kind of tackling that feeling from right. point mm -hmm. one. Right. You know, mm -hmm. I think that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. it's been cool. And it's really cool too how like if I was not feeling well, like if I was upset and I didn't really even want to articulate it, right. just showing you the sign yes. language, like sometimes, I mean, I know kiddos, I know myself, if I'm, if I'm feeling upset and I'm about to cry, it's mm -hmm. hard to speak. Absolutely. So I think just applying mm -hmm. that sign language is yeah. so cool to it. That's a really good point because yeah. it is, like, I've, I've seen that a lot. Like they're yeah. more apt if they don't want to like really mm -hmm. get into it with me, like yeah. verbally, yeah. Um, they're very more apt to just sign it. Yeah. And then from there I can be like, okay, so I can see that you're feeling, mm -hmm. um, and then we can talk about it in that way. So We oh, are so cool. excited to yeah. dive deeper uh -huh. into the zones I of regulation <laughs> during our Coffee with the Practitioners yep. episode, our second mm -hmm. one, which will come out next Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And we're just, I can't wait to like pick your brain more about I've got a thousand this. questions. I know. <laughs> well, I'm so excited to talk about it. Thank okay. you so much mm -hmm. for joining us. We are so yeah. excited and so happy to highlight you. So thanks yeah. for taking the time and letting us. <laughs> of course. Thank you, ladies. Thank yes, you. Thank you. <laughs>